Hello and welcome to episode 43 of the Ski Instructor Podcast. My name is Dave Burrows, I'm the director and owner of Snow Pro Ski School, um, based here in Val d'Illier in Switzerland. And today I can see clouds and some snow, which is something of a miracle considering it's been nothing but blue skies for about a month here. Um, temperatures have also been really really high um it's just about been freezing at night and uh conditions for some of the work that we've had over this last month have been um have been quite difficult in the afternoon to say the least um it's tough when everything's kind of slushy and heavy and essentially you're just kind of skiing around trying to avoid anyone getting injured there's not much that you can teach when everything is a mogul field and and covered in slush, um, you've got kids falling everywhere and all that sort of thing. So it's uh, it's been a tough month, um, hence the reason that I haven't posted anything for a month or so, um, because it's just been kind of relentless um, for us this month. The kind of the return of tourism here to the Alps has just meant that this season has just been crazy, really, really crazy. I've got guys on my team kind of begging me for days off and stuff like that, and it's only just calmed down. It's been non-stop since about um, mid... Well, it's actually been non-stop all season, to be honest with you. Um, so that's something that we need to address next year, and I'm probably light about three instructors, probably, um, as to where I thought that I should be. And so that's my error, but it just means that everyone, including myself, has been, uh, has been working like crazy. So um, it's been... A busy and interesting season and we can't complain after the uh, the last two. Um, so before we get going, I want to tell you about an episode that's coming up in two episode time. So this episode here, 43 and 44, is going to be a two part with Helen Trayfoot. Um, and then episode after that is going to be like a question, listener questions kind of thing. So if you, the listeners out there, and there's plenty of you, have got any questions whatsoever that you want to shoot towards me and whoever is going to be my guest. So there's going to be two of us answering your questions uh, as they come in. Um, and so just email them to me. You, uh, the email address is in the, uh, is in the, is in the podcast notes, but it's dave at snow-pros.ski. You can send me an email with any questions you like, and uh, we, myself and my guests will do our best to answer them. Whether or not this will work, I don't know. That all depends on you and what you send in. So um, that's kind of up to you. So um, just to give you a bit of notice that that's something that's going to be happening. So uh, you will, um, I'm getting loads and loads of correspondence anyway. So it will be, yeah, um, if you if you have anything you want to discuss or even just comments or commentary to, to, to you know, as a point of discussion, just send them across and, uh, and, and uh, let's see if we can make an episode out of that. Um, here in episode 43, so uh, I had a lovely, lovely chat with Helen Trafer, who is an independent ski instructor working here in, um, in Châtel, in France, just over the border in the Port du Soleil. Um, and in this uh, first part of this interview, we talk, well, uh, we start off by discussing um, her kind of current process about going to get French nationality, uh, the usual kind of backstory, how she arrived in, in, in Châtel and what her journey towards um, independent French instructor and also Basie, Basie trainer um, looked like. And then um, we get stuck into the, the, the main crux of why I wanted to, to, to interview Helen, um, which was her work on teaching children. Um, we don't actually, we haven't actually talked that much about teaching children um, in the last 42 episodes. So, um, and considering that's the bulk of the job for some people, it might be a few good ideas here and there um, in these next two parts for you. So, um, hopefully this will be extremely useful. I've been wanting to speak to Helen for some time because uh, she was a good influence on me um, with regards to how I go about teaching children how to ski. Um, so without further ado, uh, we get going. And um, the first question that we talked about um, was about her French nationality. Then they follow it on with father's name, but they keep most French women keep their maiden name. They really? just keep it. They don't become. In some situations, they are Madame. You know, if they're introduced as a couple, but for yeah. bank accounts, all that kind of thing, they keep they just their maiden carry name. On yeah. oh, about it. And you're French now. I'm French now. Since when? 
since um, the start of last summer. That's when I finally paper, my final paperwork came through. Were you doing all that before Brexit anyway? Or was it like, that was, I better do this? It was part of my plan, yeah. always. As soon as we moved here, I always my intention was to become French, mm. to take French nationality. And obviously you've got to wait five years, yeah, whatever, and you've got to obviously have everything in place. Yeah. And then, you know, time and you just end up not doing stuff. Mm. And then literally as Brexit happened, I think, yeah, because that was... I, I started to put my paperwork in. So I was okay. finding out... I think I'd put... I'd actually made the initial inquiry. Yeah. And I'd heard nothing back. Mm. And so I was like, mm, because you have to you have to put in an initial interview to present all your paperwork. Oh, wow. And so um, they give you a date and then you have to work towards that date. But yeah. I hadn't had any response from that for a year. <laughs> and so I followed it up with a little email a year later, just as Brexit was going on. Yeah, yeah. And said, um, is there any problems? <laughs> and um, that she came straight back to me and gave me a date sort oh, of cool. in that, that summer. And so I worked towards that date and then it was, yeah, then, then you have more stuff to do. And, Neil was telling me about him going through that process and he was like he had to take, because all of his documents were in South Africa yeah. and stuff and he had to get them all translated and it was like, it just sounded like a nightmare. Like he had to go and redo that like every six months or something. Yeah, crazy. well, the thing is that any French, all French documents, from what I can understand, only last six months or three months. So your birth certificate and stuff. Oh, yeah. You, you actually have, if you need to represent it, you go and get another one. Mm. And that's really easy to do if you're French. Yeah. And of course, the French relate everything to the way they do things. Yes. So it's like, well, you just have to do it our way. So when they want certified translations, they yeah. will, they're just like, well, that's what... It's just how what, it is, right? That's how it is, it's what <laughs> yeah. we do. So and rightly so, like, you're trying to be one of us. Yeah. Yeah. I've been going so, through the, the same thing um, on Swiss side. Yeah. So I'm, you know, every time I open the, the, the letterbox, I'm hoping there's going to be like something in there from the Swiss. Yeah. But it takes ages. It's like a two-year process or something like that. Mm. Um, well, it says now the waiting time from the time you've put in your paperwork to the ne- the last part of it, it is an interview oh, which right. you attend. So you put in all your paperwork, you go and see a lady, she ticks... She goes through... Basically, her job is to go through your paperwork. Yeah. If you haven't got everything, she will send you away... To go and get... To go and get more. With the whole dossier, right? Yes. Yeah, so they won't accept it. Yeah, so they won't accept it unless you've got everything. So you then have to go back and sort it all out. Mm -hmm. And and that's her job. Her job is just to make sure that it's easy for you to go to the next stage. Yeah. So once you... And she said to me when she was doing it, she said, I send everybody back once because they haven't got all their paperwork. (laughs) And then... And then once you've got that, we also have to have a language... You have to have your language test Mm. and your various other bits. So you have to have all that by then. Um, And then she then looks in her diary and says, right, I've I've marked everything as okay. We'll now keep your dossier Mm. and we'll present it. We will give you a date... And that's your interview. Right, calm. Come and yeah. come and come yeah. and have a conversation with us but, in French. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but that interview could be at the moment. It's looking like so- somewhere between three, or five years, or something. No, like some people. I could be wrong. You serious? Could be. Well, I suppose there's a lot of people applying. Right? Yeah, people are waiting a long time. Wow. If you speak to Martin, he's he's got his date, hmm. but it's in the future. And Liz Ockleton, I think, as well. She's got a date, but it's in the future. Yeah. But what that does, well, sort of builds pressure because then you have a booklet mm-hmm. that you have to basically learn. Yeah. And then from that booklet, they can ask you anything. Yeah. And when I was trying to learn that booklet, what was interesting was that Emily came back one day and she said, Mum, all the stuff you're doing is the stuff I'm learning for, for, my, for my brevet. Oh, yeah? So, oh. And, and so, therefore, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for a basic... Yeah. Knowledge. Yeah. The, the stuff that the kids would say, you know, kings and queens of France. Yeah, yeah. You know, who was married to who. Yeah. So what are the, reg- you know, the geography, the history and the politics. And, and, and the rightly so, structures. right? Rightly so, so. Yeah. You know, and if yeah. you look at it that way, yes, it's it's scary for us doing it because we're um, 
because you're old, because we're old. <laughs> and you're not in that school situation anymore and you've then got to learn it all. And yeah. and it's also, what questions will they fire at you? It could be that way, you know, it could come from that way, it could come from that way, it could come from that way. And They had, um, on the Swiss side, it was the same, you know, you've got to know all your Swiss history and you've got to know this, that and the other, you know, confederation documents and dates and, you know, all of this stuff, you know, learning about Calvinism and all sorts of yeah. weird stuff, which... Actually, I find quite cool now. Like, yes, you know, like exactly. I'm just like, like, wow, oh, I did not yeah. know that about this country that I want yeah. to live in and be yeah. part of, right? You know, it's, um, I thought it was brilliant, really mm-hmm. brilliant. And now, like, I'm planning a motorbike tour, and the nerd that I am, I want to go to like the Swiss Confederation Document Museum, which is in like Lucerne, and go and see this, this thing that they keep talking about, this, you know, thing that the, the original three canton signed you know to become the original bit of switzerland which is apparently in a museum somewhere you know it's like from 1291 or something but becomes crazy. that becomes really interesting yeah i think it? it's interesting if you're interested in history i think it is interesting. yeah interesting yeah. like you say if you want to be part of it you've got to know it mm. it's it's fair yeah i think i think it's it's very it is very we all all of us do it and myself included we come here and we have these ideas mm. and we think it's going to be we're quite romantic and a bit naive about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we have these ideas and and then when you actually get into it, yes, of course it's hard, but it's also we are I mean, yes, I'm French. I have French nationality mm. and I try really hard and if you'd said to me and and my French is okay. Mm. You know, I can converse and I yeah. work with French guys and whatever. But uh, I still don't. When if you'd asked me when we first came here, I would have thought by now I would have been absolutely dreaming in French and yeah. completely courant and yeah, yeah. and all that. And and I still don't feel like that. But maybe that's just what it is being old <laughs> d- or, or living in a living in a sort of in in between world. You know, when you go back yeah. to the UK, which I haven't done for three years now. Yeah, you've me both. <laughs> you um, you don't feel quite like you fit in there, no, exactly. and you don't feel quite quite like you fit in here and so it, it's just that sort of in that I suppose it's expat life I suppose so it's 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 a strange one isn't it because I yeah although I've in the last couple of days I've reached a real I don't know I feel like I've gone through a little I've climbed over a wall with mm. regards to my French speaking I mean, it's pretty good anyway right mm. you know I know I can get around run a business in Switzerland right? it's not you know it's not that bad but I feel like I've gone over like a hump and I feel mm. kind of confident like making jokes and kind mm. of you know like just mm. trying to be well, who I actually am instead of thinking about everything yeah it's funny isn't it because sometimes you hear an accent you can start hearing accents yeah yeah that's like that's, I think you that's, that's when you know real, you've arrived that's like, a bit of a moment <laughs> when you suddenly go Oh yeah, I noticed that's that accent. Yeah, okay. Like in Valet, I can understand everybody. <laughs> Go to Canton Vault, and I'm like, I no idea what these guys are talking about. And I'm I'm all at sea in Geneva because they speak too fast. Yeah, like it's bananas. Yeah, it's really funny. I like the way the Swiss count, though. Yeah, isn't it easier? Yeah, everyone says that. But I, um, everyone, I, Emily's old headmistress in the in the little school here told me why the French do that, and yeah. apparently it's because of the the French court, like the. And the kings and the the courtiers and the, mm. and they obviously they were the wealthy ones and so they created they decided to make counting complicated <laughs> because then the plebs wouldn't understand what they were talking about and that's why and it's bizarre but they kept yeah. it. Have you ever seen? Because they did used to go soixante sept. Yeah, not I heard it's old French, right? Normal. That's how it is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, but the, I, have you ever ever seen the YouTube clip of the um, the New York taxi driver talking about how the French yes. count numbers? Yes, it's, it's a, I, I, Listener Absolutely for the podcast, brilliant. I will try and include a link on that if I remember. I'll write that down now. But um, yeah, it's it's brilliant. Um, okay, so tell me then. We're already going. By the way, I'm just, no, just going to go because this is really interesting. Um, how did you? I regard ski resorts a bit like like a desert island, mm-hmm. and people doesn't matter if they're ski instructors or like whatever they're doing in these valleys. It's like they sort of wash up here. Mm-hmm. And this is yeah. where they kind of end up 
Yeah. It's like a Robinson Crusoe thing. Kind yeah. Of. Like, what was your story? What made you, what got you washing up here in Shetland? Well, that's quite interesting that you said that because I did wash, I suppose I did wash up here. Or, or am I washed up? No, I'm not washed up. <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> Definitely not washed up. No, um, I have worked, I worked all over the world. Yeah. Um, and was a, was a basic trainer for like 19 years or whatever. Mm-hmm. And on that journey, um, I had come to the Port du Soleil with um, and done some training with a chap called Hugh Money. Okay. Um, who set up the British yeah, Alpine yeah. Ski School. Mm-hmm. It was himself, Phil Smith. Yeah. Ian McKellar. Okay. As well, I think, was involved in that. He's still going in Avoria. He's Avoria, yeah. Oh, yeah. But Ian McKellar yeah. was here. Uh, well, actually, Phil Smith was here too. Yeah, I heard that, yeah. 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 And um, and they created this uh, this concept of the British Alpine Ski School, or Snow Sports School, whatever it is now. And um, Hugh was setting... He sort of then took it and ran with it, and the mm-hmm. others dissipated, I think. That's what the history of it. Anyway, he ended up, Hugh ended up being based out of Léger mm-hmm. and Morzine. Yeah. But he couldn't. He never really made Morzine work. But he was looking for people to develop, and he'd already. I'd already worked with Hugh. Well, Hugh had been the trainer at Hillingdon Dry Ski Slope, right. where <laughs> I started working. Okay. All those years ago, after I'd finished my degree. Yeah. When I had, um, when I was trying not to get hooked back into skiing. Oh, right. What was your... <laughs> right, let's go down that road. What was your degree? My degree was uh, performing arts with art. Serious? Drama, dance, music. Wow. Yeah. And then I did a postgraduate course in art and textiles. So when I was 16... That explains a lot, looking around your house. <laughs> uh, now I guess it. Yeah. Right, uh, okay. So I was probably always a jack-of-all-trades and master of none of them. Are those paintings so, yours downstairs? The one that's on yeah. the wall on the left. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I've got, I've got an artist in my house as well. My house is full of art. <laughs> I, my wife is going art crazy right now. So. Oh, lovely. Yeah. It's all right. So, yeah. So, um, as a kid, I always went on skiing trips. This is going mm. all the way back. Then, um, when I was eight years old, the Austrian ski school that we went to said, we'd really like to keep her here and... and you know, I was eight years old, and my mm. parents didn't have the money or the to yeah to do that. But I had the bug, mm-hmm. and but I didn't. We went to the dry ski slope, eight nine years old, and I tried it out, and I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really understand what was going on, and it felt different, and all okay. that kind of stuff. And I didn't go, you know, looking back. If I'd been directing my parents, I would have <laughs> said, you know, get her a lesson, get her into, into you know race training. Did yeah, yeah. but I didn't do that. I then thought, oh no, I don't, and I and I thought, oh no, it's too much for my mum to drive me to Southampton and all that stuff. I was doing a lot of other activities, mm-hmm. um, and then when I was sixteen, I thought, yeah, I really want to. I think I'd like to be a ski instructor, and, and it's a job I can do because then I can get to go skiing <laughs> when my when my mum and dad don't want to support me anymore, and I can be at university and go and take people skiing, you know, yeah. during the holidays. And um, so at 16, I went up to Scotland and did my first ski instructor's course at Loch Inch, was based at Loch Inch Water Sports. Yeah. That was where I came across Clive Freshwater. Okay. And the Freshwater boys who were running around in their welly boots and their shorts. Yeah. And um, did that course over two weeks. And at the end of that course, they said, right, you're a great teacher. You need to get miles under your feet. So at that point, 16 to 18, I did my A-levels at school. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I started ski. I started race training at the dry slope, at Southampton. Mm-hmm. Uh, got into the sort of regional team. Fought to get into everything because I was too old right. to race. Okay. Um, and I. To uh, that day, riding, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And I got. I you know I made it through. I went put you know got into the British champs and the England champs and the all and the British schoolgirl races over in Aglaw. Yeah. Um, Went out to all of those, and basically, I didn't have any points, so I was just put down at the end of each race. I had one pair of skis, yeah. I had no idea what I was doing, <laughs> just did it, just did it, and worked out, worked it out along the way, you know. And I was sort of on the southern, southern region team, sort of. And yeah. there was people like Hayden Scott, he was actually at my school, but I never knew he's a year above me at school, okay. but I never knew that he was 
involved in that until I started at 16. And uh, when I was actually racing, the only person that actually spoke to me was Andy Lockerbie. And I remember he was like really really chirpy chap, because he is a chirpy chap. And then um, he was like, oh, hi, Helen. And so that was, so I was on the periphery Mm -hmm. of all that stuff and that group of people, but I was on the edge of it. And then when I was 18, I... I wrote to all the ski schools in Andorra mm-hmm. because I wanted to be... I, I, I'd done Spanish as one of my A-levels. Okay. And we'd gone on skiing holidays more recently to Andorra because it was... Not, not Sorry, not to Andorra, to the Spanish Pyrenees. Yeah. And I'd fallen in love with the Spanish Pyrenees and wanted mm-hmm. to spend more time there. So I thought, I can go to Andorra. Then I can teach in Spanish and English mm-hmm. and I can yeah. improve into that. So I got a job with Soldado Ski School and then I arrived there and after two days Aaron Salski School came over and literally I mean that's the wild west that it was I was kidnapped (laughs) and taken over to Aaron Sal and then they were like we're not going to take you back now now you've got to come and work for us (laughs) and that was the beginning of the that was the beginning of my gap year but it wasn't a gap year then because we organised it for ourselves yeah and um, at the end of that season, I went went back up to Scotland, did my old Basie 3, mm-hmm. and um, thought in the future, yeah, I'd quite like to maybe do the next next exam, but I need to go and do my degree, mm. and um, I want to get I want to get into the television radio world. Oh wow! And right. um, I want to get involved in children's programming. Uh-huh. That was that was really where I wanted to be. Whether it was making the props for children's programming or for presenting or yeah. producing, that was where I wanted to be. So I went off, got my did my did actually did drama school auditions. Um, got shortlisted for a couple but then at the last minute didn't but also got into Middlesex went to Middlesex was really unhappy the first year skied quite a lot <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the second year sort of got my head down finished the degree but and then did lots of art and creativity stuff and followed it with up with a with um, get, going doing a postgraduate course in mm-hmm. art and textiles. Wow. And then I was like, right, I'm going to get into the BBC and had a few good um, good, uh, good connections mm-hmm. and started being a runner at the BBC, but at the same time started work at Hillingdon uh-huh. to bring in the extra money. So that was where it all sort of started to come together. Went up to Scotland, so did a bit of work for Interski. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then met a really good friend who now lives in Chamonix, um, who actually knew me from Andorra days. Right. Uh, a girl called Caroline, she was Caroline Griffiths at the time. She's now Caroline Waters. Okay. Uh, she married to a guy called Glenn Waters. Yeah, I think I know. Who, they're based in Chamonix. Yeah. Um, and she she said, why don't you come up and do uh, do another course? So yeah. we drove up to Scotland yeah. in her mum's rascal van. Oh, yes. <laughs> and did our next course. Cool. And I had a chap called John Arnold as my trainer. Yeah. And he then, um, at, at that point, when you did your, you did that course, is a training course, and you had to give a lecture. Yeah. And I get, I was like, what am I going to do that in? I've been doing a degree. I haven't done any, I haven't done, I haven't been to New Zealand or Australia or done working or anything. I've just been working on a dry slope. Yeah. And Caroline said, do it on teaching children. Mm. So I went, okay. Did it. Went really well. Said, right, okay, I'm going to write a book on teaching children to ski. Mm-hmm. So that was the beginning of the end. And I said, I'm, I'm actually going to stop trying to be a jack of all trades mm. and see if I can make it all the way and become a trainer. Okay. And also become an expert in teaching children along that journey. Is that the book I have? Heads, Shoulders, Skis and Toes? Yeah. Yeah. And then... Ah. Yeah. So I did Heads, Shoulders, Skis and Toes. Yeah. That was then. And then more recently, but that's still quite a long time ago now, I wrote the little book, um, just, it's called Teaching Children. It's just a little book that that I did for Basie. Okay. that book for Basie, yeah. Mm. And I have another one in me. Yeah. In fact, half of it is written in that book there. But it's um, <laughs> it's not ready. Yet. The lockdown happened, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm going to finish it." And it's close. Half is good. It, yeah, it, it will get there, and I will do it. Yeah, it's just the timing of it. So yeah, there's this one is, more in me. Yeah. I think this is how we most recently met. We met a long time ago before mm. that, you know, when I first came to Shudhal. But the, the 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 children's teaching thing is that is actually one of the reasons I'm here it's because we haven't really 
hardly in this podcast ever talk about it. There's a lot of chat about technique and there's a lot of chat about mm. kind of national systems and stuff, but the actual nuts and bolts of like doing the job and teaching kids on the hill, which is essentially what most mm. of us do yeah, all the time. Mm. Haven't really talked about that. So I figured that we should. Yeah. But what I thought was interesting, I don't know whether you ever get this, but you were talking about doing like drama forming arts that kind of stuff mm. do you ever get that sensation when you're on the mountain that you know like you have like an on stage persona yeah and like, I was, te- like ski teacher yeah definitely like I put on my I put on my yeah trainer's helmet or I put on my instructor's head or I put on my yeah I do yeah and actually when it comes to real life I'm quite shy yeah <laughs> I do I say I'm the same like, um, I don't really court you know that much attention really yeah and so sometimes for me it is an act yeah and interestingly you say that because I have had times when I've been training instructors when I I remember very clearly running a course and this guy um you know how we set little scenarios and we Mm. say right teach this and this is your scenario and it's a group of kids or whatever and I had this guy and he was really boring (laughs) <laughs> really really boring okay. and he was a kiwi and he was he was such a nice guy and i gave yeah. him the task of teaching children because i wanted him to become more animated mm-hmm. and i wanted him to like brighten everything up and and um so the first one he did i stopped him halfway through and i said right stop stop you're gonna go away and you're gonna replan this and you're gonna do it again and i want you to cut and i gave him a few little pointers along the way and um so that night he came to me and said, and I can't do very much of a difference between a Kiwi accent and an Australian accent, but he went, yeah. can I be an Australian? And I went, yeah, sure you can, no problem. And the following day he came out and he was like, yeah, my name's Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> and he was fantastic. Yeah? He was, it was one of the funny, it, not not that it has to be funny when you're teaching yeah. children, but it was, he was outgoing and he was a different person. Yeah. And I think it's a really, when, if you're not experienced, teaching people I think it's a really useful do, to actually pretend to be somebody else yeah. sometimes I, yeah, it yeah. is definitely useful yeah, yeah. definitely yeah, and I think there's also an awful lot we can learn not just in the presenting mm. well yes and yeah in how we do things from teaching children to teaching adults yeah and yeah. that that's the biggest that's my biggest thing understanding if you understand how children develop Children are just human beings. So if we understand how human beings develop Mm. from babies to adults, and we understand those phases, if we use the American terms, cognitive, cognitively, physically, and uh, socially, Mm -hmm. then if we understand those phases, and then when we teach adults, we'll be much better at teaching the adults as well as teaching the children. Mm. And, um, yeah, so that's one of my sort of biggest bugbears. In, if you understand physical development in human beings, mm. when you come to analysing performance, it's easy. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, I think the temptation, isn't it, when we're teaching adults, is to kind of jam them a little bit with too much technical information. Definitely. Too much and talk. And we, we forget, forget often that those people are there to have fun too right they're there in front of us they may be on holiday or they might be there you know it takes quite a lot to get that person there to be standing in front of us so a lot mm. goes into it mm. you know if you think about just everything you know the client's got to find you you've got to do all your marketing for them to find you you've got to go through the booking process blah 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 blah. like to actually physically and then they've got to get there they've got to get all their kit and all that the other mm. for them to actually get there standing in front of you there's an enormous amount goes into it mm. And then what? You ruin their day by like basically giving them the technical manual in like a shorthand version. Yeah. Or people go away and they don't know because you don't know, you never know when you've had a good lesson Mm. until you've had a really good session. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like you can have lots of instructors telling you if telling you things, Mm. and then you'll you'll have an instructor who keeps it really simple mm. and really clear and concise and suddenly you go oh yeah okay mm. it's not that complicated no it's not and that's that's the biggest part is trying to 
work when you're working with adults it doesn't have it's not even with kids it's not necessarily all about yeah woo, yeah <laughs> you know yeah. it's it's actually it's about looking at those little individuals and working out what's the best thing that I can do that I can come up with to help them yes. to develop yeah. and a lot of time the wonderful thing about teaching children is that you really use the terrain mm. You, know, you might be making fun noises and whatever, but mm. actually what you're doing is you're trying to get them just to follow you so that and you're but it's really important that they do follow you really precisely because then you're the right, I'm gonna go up here because that bit of mountain will push them that way. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if I do if I get them to do that little bit there and then they turn back up on themselves, if they turn back up on themselves, that's gonna push that inside ski. Mm. And they're going to have to balance against that outside ski and it's going to push them parallel and they mm. won't even realise it. And then it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to do a little bit of, I call side slipping the zero to five because mm-hmm. I give it a little scale. Flat yeah, yeah. skis are zero, tilted skis are five. Yeah. And so just lots of like playing with that and then putting it into the environment and scraping and push, letting this mountain push you around. And that's what's really exciting to see when you've got little children Yeah. all the way up, really. How do you get adults to do that same thing? Mm, can been... be much more of a challenge. The first thing, you know, because with children, children want to play on the edges and play off the little bumps where the snow is best, mm. where it's often safer to be. Yeah. Adults, no, they don't want to go there. They want to stay on the piste. <laughs> and then they and then they meander across from one side to the other with you know, and you're just like, no, if you can get them mm. to the point where they can really follow you and they've got a few little focuses, then the magic starts to happen and that's exciting. you're enjoying this episode with Helen um, it was really really nice it was another one of those in, in person um, episodes that we recorded that was you know, just a, you know we both had a long day skiing uh, the sun was going down over the lake and it was it was just really really pleasant chat and I think that atmosphere um, really comes across um, in in this interview as you'll see from the second half and also in uh, in part two of this um, got some of the content, uh, some of the correspondence that I've had, I better read them out actually because I haven't. I've been kind of saving them up and they're building up on my desk. So let's do that. Um, <clears throat> this one is from uh, Greg Greg Hilton. Uh, I spoke. Um, I swapped some correspondence with with Greg, but he said, uh, "Loving the podcast, long time listener. I'm a 100 minutes into the Colin Martin one. Been using him for boots for the past 20 years. So uh, thanks for that." Greg, appreciate you getting in touch with me. That's awesome. Um, I've got one here from Simon Jones. Now, Simon talks to me here. Uh, he said, emailing from the South Rockies in Canada. <clears throat> and I've been here for almost 18 years now, teaching in Sunshine and Lake Louise. And now I'm based in Kimberley, teaching for the ski school here, uh, Fernie and Panorama Freestyle Team. Um, I started in the Basie system before moving to CSIA, and I'm currently working on my level four. Um, just wanted to say, love the podcast, great content, uh, enjoyed the Christmas edition, and totally agree with all the comments regarding customer service techniques and hospitality skills. Um, I think CSIA does a great job of explaining that now with our current content. Um, whenever I'm teaching level one instructor courses, I try to hammer home the need for returning customers. Um, although we have a syllabus to follow, new instructors need to understand about keeping it simple and making lessons fun. I always ask about best and worst teaching experiences. Um, on a recent level one course, I had six middle high school teachers. Uh, normally, we have a number of GAP students who have never taught before. This group was incredible. Uh, lessons were amazingly creative, and I stole several ideas from them. Um, have a great season, maybe, and I will have to do an away week one season. Come help you out on a busy half term or Easter. I love that, Simon. Um, freestyle guys are are in uh, in high demand. Um, but what I was hoping to actually with Simon is to um, is to is to maybe do an interview with him because um, I really like the idea of learning more about um, Canada and what he does. So, uh, Simon, you're on my list, and I'm gonna uh, contact you fairly soon. Um, the uh, I also got another piece of correspondence here from Ian Martin. Now, Ian Martin runs 
um, something called the Ski Podcast. Now, the Ski Podcast is um, a really, really good podcast. It's slightly more kind of uh, um, regular skier focused. Uh, it's not as nerdy as the Ski Instructor po- uh, Podcast, which is you know about our industry. But um, Ian's podcast is, is is really good, and it's kind of focused on the wider industry and, and to get a perspective of what um, kind of real uh, tourist uh, and client skiers you know are, are thinking about it's a really really good listen so i highly recommend you listen to ian's podcast um he says uh excellent interview with colin martin thank you very much um i found it really interesting and as a bonus i love the sound of the cowbells in the background uh so thanks for that ian i really appreciate it all the cows at the moment are in the shed um and the local farmer that i know said that um the cows don't come out till about april 15th so they're all in the shed at the moment and uh they're nice and warm uh waiting i'm guessing i I figured the other day that i reckon it must be because like the grass is not ready yet is the reason they don't let them out in like this kind of nice weather that we've been having um because otherwise presumably they just turn the fields to mud and the grass can't grow so um anyway that's my own opinion uh if you know anything about cows and farming just let me know if i'm right or wrong on that um and then i got a lovely email from alexander kolborg um who's from denmark um now he says first of all thanks for the great podcast i'm a big fan now alexander you've sent me a long question which i'm going to save as the first question that we're going to have on the Q and A uh, podcast. Um, so any any questions podcast, you're going to be the first one uh, up. Um, anyway, he said goes on to say after the the question that he said uh, again. Thanks for a great podcast. I'm looking forward to the next episode. Um, so thank you, Alexander, for 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 writing that. I really really appreciate it. Um, but I'm going to keep your question and we're going to use that as uh, as number one. So if you have any questions for me at all with regards to um, anything and uh, for me and my guest. Um, Write to me about anything you like, and uh, and, and we're going to do a lovely Q and A um, podcast in uh, that will come in two episodes time. So um, yeah, you uh, the address is down, email address is below, and uh, you can write to me there. Um, without much further ado, please um, enjoy the second half of part one of this podcast, and uh, I'll catch up with you on the next episode. been lately I've delivered this season I've been really doing really been quite hard on myself as to kind of analysing the sessions that I deliver and I've delivered some really 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 if I dare say to myself really really good adult sessions Mm. this winter that have been sort of really simple Mm. it's not been about me just like chatting you know, it's been like the focus has been on them. Everyone's kind of the answers have come from within. All that good stuff that that you know, and the, and the, that's come away really well. But the one I've struggled with this year is, is some of the kids, and I'm kind of I'm really feeling the pressure from the parents to make the kids better because I've you know mm. somewhere in my head I've got it in like that. That's what they paid for, and mm. so you know blah blah blah. When actually, what I really you know I was thinking about this last night. It's weird the stuff you wake up thinking about. Mm. I'm like, no, I'm doing this all wrong. I just need, what I'm trying to do here is I'm trying to make sure that every time they come, this is a positive experience and the technical improvement will come. Yeah. I can't jam them with like, you need to do this and this, this and this. It's like, look, one or two little things every session. Yeah. But just make sure that they love it because these are like repeating people that will come back to the mountains for Mm. the rest of their life and they're going to sustain you know, the next generation of people that come after me, you know, like it's, I think I struggle with that sometimes is this sort of the balance between the pressure from the parents. Yeah. Like little Johnny's got me skiing parallel. Why haven't they got this badge? And yeah, yeah. well, look, you know, it's, he's five, right? He Mm. he might not want to be skiing parallel yet. There's the other pressure as well, isn't there? From the parents that, um, want to ski the whole mountain. Yeah, and then yeah. and they've got a kid who's actually doing a power plow, mm. and then they're so locked. Yeah, it's completely locked yeah, them they, up. They've gone the wrong terrain too soon. Right? Yeah, it's one of them. And, and that's, that's the only and thing that's the other pressure do. because then the child is so locked that they can't actually steer. They don't yeah. know. Every time they stop, they stop in an enormous wedge. Mm. Whereas actually, we want to encourage them to stop with a turn and yeah. all those things. Yeah, it can. It is hard. 
I think it just te- you just have to build it up and be sort of brave in yourself that yeah. you do yeah. know you do know what you're doing and mm. that like, yeah. don't get me wrong I'm having some great feedback from some of the kids you know like the the parents are saying like every time he goes skiing it's a great time so like, mm. well, you know with you he loves skiing with you guys well that kind of stuff is lovely to hear but I'm looking at the kid thinking oh, like I would just wish he would do mm. this thing but you know it will come it comes, I suppose right it? it will come mm. you know sometimes it's just how they're growing a little bit if they've you know they just had a growth spurt and Mm. therefore their body i often find that if they've had a growth spurt or if they've had a gap between like a lot of kids now coming out post pandemic Mm. and they're wanting and you know so they were four when they had their last lessons or seven when they had their last lessons it's two years later so their body has done a lot physically mentally socially they've Mm. done huge changes and people's bodies do what they did the last time they skied it, mm. no yeah. matter what size they are. Yeah. And that's why it's really important that people continue to have lessons, or children especially continue. Often they go, oh, yeah, I got my bronze, I'm going to stop now. Yeah. I don't need yeah. to, I can yeah. ski all over. And you watch those people as adults, they're the same and they're, they look the same. So yeah. their body, their brain has made them ski the same but their body is an adult body, mm-hmm. and so therefore they're not balanced, and they're yeah. not, and it's not working properly. No. That's a really interesting game, you know, to to balance out that game and to keep encouraging the parents. Yeah. That they do need to keep working on stuff. Yeah. 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 Let's We're talk not about working on stuff. Yeah, but let's talk about that because we we we've we've interacted in the past with with interact is a terrible choice of words we when i was doing my first written project the british one mm. not the second british uh, the swiss project which i did for something else but the the, the second the swiss one i did was on fatigue and ski instructors mm. ski instructors who work day after day after day and like mm. the effects that it has on their body okay that's interesting which yeah, yeah it's not it's not great. No, it's, not. <laughs> it's not great. Was that physical or mental Physi- as well? Physical. I didn't even touch the mental side because there's only so much space in a in a dissertation, as you know. But the the so the scope had to be really narrow. Right. It's the same thing for all of these written projects. Mm. It's like I've had a few people talk to me now about the the brevet federal um, dissertation. I'm like, you can't have that many subjects in it if it's too wide. You haven't got enough space yeah. to talk about it. So. And I, would, I kept it really narrow to, to like the, the, the physical effects of it. Mm. And it's just, yeah, it's not, it's not great, you know, to be working day after day. But the pressure is that ski instructors have is like, you know, you, you're making the majority of your year's money in, in four months, right? So the pressure is to be out there. Mm. Irrespective, you know, you're not going to say no very often mm. to a, if a lesson comes your way. Mm. Um and I don't like disappointing people either. That's I'm the other thing. Even if I need a day off, yeah. and like someone's like, "Oh look, can we do this on Wednesday?" Yeah. And I'm like, "Oh, oh, going to be like, my day like, off." Yeah, yeah, it was going to be my day off. Oh, and, I can't and then you say think, no. "Oh, well, if I just make it a little bit later in the day, I can just have a yeah. rest." But you don't. No. And then you still end up. Yeah. I know. Definitely. I know. It's tough. Um, lockdown was good for that. <laughs> you have to stop. Yeah, Fantastic. Yeah. I loved it. There's a lot of people done a lot of recovery in the last year, I suppose. Yeah. Um, with so anyway, we we came across you because you assessed my dissertation for Basie on teaching, teaching children, children, right? Yeah. And you're the resident expert, and we talked about all sorts of bits and pieces. But the one I was particularly interested in, the one that I found the most interesting out of all of it, is the physicality of kids at different ages. Mm. And where their balance is, mm. because they're, it's all to do with essentially their head as a proportional weight of the rest of their body. Yeah. Do you want to go into that a little bit more? Because I, I, I'd love to hear it from from you more than me giving it a, a half-assed explanation. But the yeah, let's just so the point that as children develop, the head yes. when they're when they're two, three, four, their head is much bigger in relation to the rest of their body. So their centre of gravity is high. Mm-hmm. So their balance point, so if you look at their balance, I like to think of it as like a piece of paper that you folded back and forth. Mm-hmm. When you look at a very small child, really, really little, they are one unit. So yeah. They just move as one. Like a monoblock. When they deal yeah. with force, 
when they deal with force, they tend to bend at the hip because that's their that's that's their absorption. So they will be in balance. If you look at them on a on a very gentle slope or almost flat slope, you will see when they stand on their skis a very slight flex at the ankle, the knee, and the hip, and the head will be yeah over, over their the middle. top. Up to about they, what age? Um, five. So yeah, about five. Yeah, so yeah, that makes Thru- sense. Yeah. When my daughter's rising down a, like a road or something, she's then just she's standing up. Standing, yeah, she stands. Like, and it looks awesome. Yes. Like, I am look at her and I'm like, wow, and like, then, I wish I stood like As you put her on more difficult terrain, yeah. as she goes around the curve, then she will tend to flex at the hip yeah. more than any of the other joints. Is that a but power issue? Like, she can't flex the boot forward anyway because yeah. she's like 18 it's, kilos it's or something. It's power, it's yeah. power. And her, where her centre of gravity is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so as that changes, this is how I've noticed it. Yeah. I might have to stand up. Go on, that's great podcasting. <laughs> as, I, as that changes, <laughs> yeah. so as they get a little bit bigger, sort of five, six, seven, yeah. they're obviously, their head in relation to their body is mm-hmm. elongating and they might get a bit skinny, malinky, not mm. all of them, but some of them. But so. Then you'll start to see a flex at the knee, yeah, of the hip. Okay. And again, that's a power thing as well because mm-hmm. they don't always they don't have the strength. And you really see that in racer kids, yeah, don't you? Yeah. You, know, you see them in their stiffer boots, yeah, and they're very able to steer. They're very able to tilt their feet, and they they almost look like an adult, yeah, but not quite. There's something missing. And there's something missing, yeah. and that's yeah, yeah. flex. That's that fine tune. Yeah, the boot bit. flex. But they yeah. have that feel, but they don't. You don't see it. Yeah. I think, and then so that's again. It's all about terrain and balancing and giving them the right, pushing them in the right direction and creating experiences for them where they can experiment and and feel and find the place to be on their skis. Mm-hmm. And then as we keep developing, so by the time they get to sort of 10, 11, then they're going to begin, depending on fe- female and male, that also the gender changes things. Mm. But they will, if they're directed in the right direction, begin, again on the easier slopes, to flex more at the ankle knee. Mm-hmm. Equipment, again, is also an issue if they're in the wrong equipment or if there are kids that, if they're kids that are coming out on a school trip and they've been put in, often their feet are really big, especially yeah. if they're boys. Yeah. So they often get put in... An adult boot, yeah, <laughs> an adult rear entry boot, boot. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. often, often two sizes too big, yeah. and so therefore we're not gonna, they're not gonna be able to balance effect or the way we we would like them to balance. We're just dealing with what we've got and we mm. can't change that. If we've got kids that we're working with over time, then hopefully we can get them into the right equipment and that will help them enable them to balance and gain those experiences. I said this, said this to a kid's parents the other day that we scooped with regularly on a Wednesday and it's like he he turned up in these boots. They look like Wellington boots. Mm. Like they're, they're up to almost up to his knees. And I'm like, what what is this? Yeah. Like and I said to his parents, like these boots that you bought, you know, they bought out they went somewhere and they bought them. Like they well meaning but they didn't know anything, right? Mm. So he rocks up in these boots. And to be fair, he's skiing well considering yeah. he's in boots that are two sizes too big for yeah. him, which are like twenty years old at least. The plastic, like I was like, look, man, can you just stand here and show your mum and dad? Like, are you able to move your move forward this boot at all? Mm. And it's like, it's nothing, you know, because mm. it's plastic's rock hard. Mm. And I was like, this boot is inhibiting your child's ability to get better mm. for the sake of like the 50 francs that it's going to cost you to rent a decent boot for the rest of the season because yeah. it's the mid season now. Exactly. Like, let's give him a chance, yeah. And hopefully, he's going to turn up tomorrow and something's going to change his life, yeah. Like, you know, because it's a miracle, frankly, what he's doing right yeah, now, absolutely. And it's I've an seen that with miracle. the local kids from here yeah. from the little private school. Yeah. They're coming out, and these are teenagers. Yeah. So they're in that gangly stage where their feet are, you know, everything's growing at different stages. The girls are getting bigger in different mm. places. The boys are getting longer and, and yeah. whatever. And a lot of them, it, you know, it's getting them all out, isn't it? Right, we've got 30 kids coming in, we'll, get, yeah, we'll yeah. shove them out. And also they come in and they go, yeah, that fits all... Well, what we do it with kids all the time, don't we? We say, what's their shoe size? Yeah. If we're giving them their shoe size, we always buy shoes that are a little bit big for them, for them to grow into. Mm-hmm. 
And so quite often, even as a holiday maker, if you give their shoe size to the shop, yeah. they will just translate it and they will put the child in that and, you know, everyone's, everything's a big, it's yeah. all busy and everything. Yeah. And therefore, the child is going out in a boot, which is enormous, which mm. their foot is moving about like this. And that's very often... You can see, even though a child, they're bending in, in the right places. Yeah. As I said, they bend more at the, the hip when they're tinier, mm-hmm. and then they bend more at their knee and the hip, and then as they move towards adultdom, they bend at the ankle, knee, and hip, and it's mm-hmm. all setting itself up in alignment. But strength comes into it, yeah. and the fit of the boot. So if the boot, if their foot is sliding forward, they're never in the boot. No. They're never going to find that that centre point. No. Um, so yeah, like you said, they do really well considering what they're. <laughs> I'm amazed on. this kid. It's like, like how did you do that? Yeah. yeah. But the other thing is, is if they're balanced, that's that real key phase, isn't it? That mm. even as they as they start to develop, we need to say that macula chiffron quote knees to toes, knees mm. to your toes, knees to your toes, knees to your toes, because it is, it is something that has to be. It's not there in everybody. Mm-hmm. We have to put them in places where they can find that yeah. and also um, encourage them with certain key words to, to make that change of movement pattern. Yeah. So yeah. That's, that's really key. And that teenage stage is really key. You know, that's where you get the kids and they're just straight, aren't mm. they? Yeah, yeah, and they yeah. ski straight. Their arms are by the sides, or the girls. They I touch know so their many elbows. girls like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Arms by the side. Their legs are just straight. Yeah. And when they're ten or nine, they are straight. Mm-hmm. That's how they look. Yeah. But when they they're still straight when they're fifteen, that's when that becomes a habit. Yeah. And then when they're twenty five, they still ski like that. Um, it's true. I see so many teenage girls that ski like that. Mm. And you're like, no, 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 hang on, your, your joints, they move in a whole bunch of extra ways that you can <laughs> use to help you. Yeah. You know, like it's it's actually really easy. Yeah. But you've got to be prepared, you know, to do a little bit of work. Yeah. You but know, the, but yeah, the teenage girls, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think we're, as instructors, I think we're quite lucky because we're not mum and dad, right? Like yeah, that's absolutely. the usual person that a, yeah. a, a so teenager will rebel against. Mm. But especially if you give them the reason for doing it, which is like, look, you can be better mm. and you can get around easy with less effort. Which is that key mm. thing, especially with teenagers. Mm. That's a real key teaching point, isn't it? If you explain why. Yeah. If they understand that you're not just telling them no. Or you're not just telling them what to do yeah. for the sake of it. Yeah, if yeah. If you're kind yeah. of saying, well, it's because of this. Yeah. Then it's like, oh, okay, I get that. All right, then that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, and that's a real key thing, isn't it? To that People mm. often say that it's hard to make that contact with or to make that link with the teena- with teenagers. And it's yeah. a lot of it is about being sitting with them, yeah. being in their team. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than being the leader of the team, the, the gang. We do a really cool thing. I've been getting off the ground the last few years, which I know a, a bunch of girls from from the, the the international schools. Like, and and we have this sort of social skiing thing, which is like it's essentially called Girls' Days Out, but it's basically it's now morphed into this one particular girl and her six best mates or whatever mm. and we just go skiing and there's like very very little in the way of like technical input mm. it's just like I'm so I said look we'll go I'm kind of in charge of the route you don't you know how we get there I'll give you where we're going mm. you don't have to follow me we're not doing that you're like grown up now you know if we do that and we're just gonna She's gonna be, and my um my my idea is to sort of blend myself into the background yeah. a little bit and just let them have a day without anyone on their back, mm. without anyone telling them what to do, and just to enjoy their time with their mates. Mm. And that includes lunchtime, and just like oh, if you want girls, I'll go and sit over there. Mm. But I'm over here if you've got any like issues. But just enjoy yourselves and be with your friends. But you're safe at the same time. Yeah, like and that's the like, other part. That is the other part about ski instructing, isn't it? Mm. That is the big thing that we get hooked up hugely. Yeah, like in yeah. you have to look like you have to ski in this way. You have to yeah. look like this, and you have to be technically perfect. Mm. You don't. <laughs> it's you not can, about that. It's it's actually <laughs> there's lots of other stuff, and you can you get adult you get any client come to you 
especially the adults, mm. and they have lives that are full of stuff, yeah. full of stuff that's going on, and actually they don't want you telling them they want a couple of they want a couple of sticking plasters or a couple of yeah. key points, yeah. a couple of key points for them to kind of focus on. Okay, right, just you know, I don't know, whatever. Let both let both sticks tickle the snow yeah. as you as you're going around every turn. Mm. That's it. That's all we're going to think about the whole day just to get you more centred and stop you leaning in. That's yeah. why we're doing it. Now, that's all we're going to do. Everywhere we go, yeah. let's just go and have fun. And they they don't want any more than that. Or, yeah. Well, they do sort of. They come to you with this idea that they want lots of stuff because that's what people have told them in the past. Yeah, it's an expectation from the industry, right? Yeah. 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 But actually, if you get them, if you get over that, if you can get them over that and you go, no, I'm, we're only going to focus on one thing yeah. and we're going to keep it pure and simple and yeah. that's probably going back to the very beginning of it that I sort of my feeling is that skiing is really simple really really simple that's why children get really good at it mm. yeah 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 it is well we said this a minute ago didn't we when you were making me this excellent excellent cup of tea is that like skiing is simple it is essentially being in balance sliding down the hill on two planks of wood yeah but it's complicated by so much other stuff. Well, that, that was what Hugh Money said many years ago. He said, mm. skiing is simple, human beings are complicated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And all complicate it. Complicated. Yeah, yeah, for Make sure. Complicated. Yeah, yeah. And it's not. No. And it's all about less talk, more do, but the words that you do use have to be meaningful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really important. Yeah, yeah, that's All the noises. Because when I'm working with kids in particular, I'm quite often going, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, (laughs) which is, you know, which is a huge part of it. There was Mm. another guy, again, on an instructor course that I ran and um, he did his first teaching session and he talked too much. Mm. way too much and he was a teacher and he t- taught special needs and I, he came off he said I know I know yeah. I know I know what <laughs> I did so I said okay so for tomorrow you have to teach uh, I'm going to give it quite keep it quite narrow I want you to teach sort of plough paralleling towards parallel skiing that's your you know that's the sort of phase that you're going mm-hmm. through and you're only allowed to use four words for the whole session you're only allowed to use four words and he was like, I said, mm-hmm. you can work with, tonight, you can work with somebody else to to work out what you're going to do. Yeah, yeah. And um, he came the next day and he went, I've got four words to say to all of you. Ibble, obble, black, bobble. And everyone was like, ha! And then he pointed, he was very, it was one of the best sessions I've ever had. And I gave it as a scenario to, like, level four instructors that yeah, can yeah. get it. Yeah. they wanted to make everything yeah, really, really complicated, complicated so. but what he did in that Ibble Black Bobble was he used a demonstration and he went and he used the words as to be parts of the turn mm-hmm. so he started in a wedge and he went Ibble and then into the full line Obble and then round the full line Black and then at the end of the turn and he went Bobble mm-hmm. and he just steered the inside ski mm-hmm. and he showed it and then he went Bobble mm-hmm. And then everyone went, oh, okay. <laughs> Got it. And then they did it. And then they came down and he could give feedback on that. Yeah, like yeah. Bubble, black bubble, because they had points of reference to go from. Yeah. And then the next time we went, this time, we didn't even say this time, we went, watch me yeah. in, in, in yeah, yeah. actions. And he went, ibble, obble, and they had to match on black. Uh-huh. Bubble. And they skied that a bit and they were all shouting, ibble, obble, black, bubble, ibble, obble, black, bubble. And then the next one was ibble, obble, black, bubble, ibble, obble, black, bubble. And then it was ibble, obble, black, bubble. And it was parallel. Mm-hmm. And that's sim- that's the simplicity. That's the purity of it. Yeah. It shouldn't be all about, we understand, as professionals, we understand how pe- how human beings develop mm-hmm. and in physically, socially and um, and cognitively, mm-hmm. we understand how the ski works, but we what we use is very simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And very concise. And then they learn it by doing it and experiencing it. Mm-hmm. But they often learn, it's them learning without realising they're learning, but that's not the same as just going down doing nothing as a ski instructor and going, Bleh! 
<laughs> How did that feel? Great, wicked, awesome. That's a very di- that's a different thing. Mm. It's conscious, consciously making decisions, but not necess- and and only but only using what you need to use. Yeah, yeah. Simply, sim- simpleness. Yeah, keeping yeah. it really, really simple. I hear you. I'm really trying to go towards that in like what I'm doing. What's the simplest thing that I can say, and what's the simplest thing? I always feel I, sometimes I stop myself. Mm. I feel like I'm. I want to say that extra sentence. Yes. And I'm just like no, no, yeah. no. Stop. No, mm. I just key off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's very easy, also, when people are looking at you. Yeah. It's very easy to start explaining, and then they keep looking at you and nodding. So yeah, yeah. Think, Oh, I'll just explain it a bit more. Yeah, yeah. And then they look at you a bit more and you go, well, I'll just explain it a bit more and then I'll do it again. <laughs> and then I'll do it while I'm skiing off as well, <laughs> even though you can't hear me. <laughs> yeah. I know. Tell me about it. Oh, so, um, I, think I think that's a constant journey that we're on, yeah. is reading people. Yes. And I think something that's really important always to remember is that me, myself and I, I know what I'm talking about. Mm. When I speak to somebody else, they are translating what we are saying, even though it's the same language, they're yeah. translating it into their world of understanding. Yeah. So when you, that's like kind of their paradigm to our paradigm, mm. the goal is how do we... Make sure the message we're is the in, same. We're in yeah. one paradigm, yeah. one world. So sometimes you'll say, you know, I want you to try and feel for the arch of your foot or whatever, or feel yeah. your little toe roll over. Or Here's a key one. Point your toes where you want to go. I yeah. say that a lot. Yeah. Point your toes where you want to go. And I remember somebody going, but I can't, I'm going to... I'm gonna, <laughs> oh, you're like, I can't you can't point do my that. toe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, how am I pointing? Oh, you've been saying this for ages. I don't know what you mean. I had, a, I had a five-year-old <laughs> say to me the other day, what do you mean stretch up? And I was like, yeah. I would have thought that was obvious, but yeah. evidently he doesn't he understand doesn't, what he, he means by stretch up. You've been saying it and saying it, yeah. and they're just doing like, something. What's this crazy man they shouting at but me? But they don't, or they go, yeah, 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 I know what you mean. Yeah. But they don't, and the only way you're going to understand that is by watching them, and then maybe asking them a question yeah. and letting them come back to you with whatever it was mm. and I think that's 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 the real that's the key to listen watch mm. listen watch and do how do you I've, I've been meaning for the last 10 mm. minutes to go back to the age ranges but I'm just going to ask you about mm. this thing about role what you were just talking about there was um, the like the rolling up when you've got let's say you've got if we're talking about big toe little toe mm. say but you've got a kid that's on, say, two big toes a lot of the time. Yeah. And you just talked about, like, rolling over the inside ski at some point in the turn. Mm. How are you teaching that specific thing? Uh, How are you getting depends. them from two inside edges yeah. to... I do an awful lot. I start, I start it off very early on in their learning Mm. adults or children the way it comes out of my mouth might be packaged slightly differently but I'm doing exactly the same activities Mm -hmm. Um, but I I do a lot of making them aware when they're first stepping up the hill Mm -hmm. so feel your feet roll so it's introduced on the very first session Two, two flat feet zero rolling your feet up one two three four five yeah. And then flattening it off, five, four, three, two, one, zero. I might do that as a static exercise on the beginner session, but I might actually do it even if I've got clients that I've never met before, but they can ski. Yeah. Children or adults. I might, I'll introduce that because it gives me something, it gives me a hook. Yeah, it gives you a common point of reference. And so, then I yeah. can reference that at lots of places. And, yeah. and then we can do lots of side slipping because side slipping, if you call it side slipping, yeah, I yeah. just call it zero to five. Uh-huh. So by, especially with, chi- well, I'm, do you know what? I think I'm pretty much doing it with everybody, but mm. lots of side slipping, yeah. calling it slipping and gripping, calling it power sliding, yeah. whatever. Um, but it's that five to zero, mm-hmm. five to zero. And especially with kids, I just go five, zero, five. Mm-hmm. They go parallel. Oh, yeah. Right, I'll try that. <laughs> that's it. That's it. It's the same. I mean, that. That's yeah. it. Same with adults. You know, yeah. they get once they get it. You know, 
5 Then I get bored with said county up and down, so I just go 5 0 5. <laughs> okay. Right. And then, and then we go five zero five, and we pick up the inside ski. So we go woohoo five zero five, mm. and they do it. And then we get to the top of the hill, and we do a bit more five slipping, slipping, mm. power sliding, going up the side of something, and power sliding back down, so that they start to get the feeling of that release. Mm. Because that's the biggest bit, isn't it? You know, mm. holding those two inside feet. Yeah. It's about releasing, mm, letting one go, letting one go, mm. and that's what we once. If we're not careful at that very early stage, we always hold on really tight because we think about that outside ski all the time. We hold it on, hold it, and then we stand. We we talk about standing on the other ski, and mm. therefore we don't quite release that one, and then we go round, mm. or we go round. Especially with kids or ladies, they hold on to that plow as they go round, and then that actually stops. Yeah. Yeah. The outside ski from turning enough around the yeah. corner, and that's how the zigzag turns start because that mm-hmm. inside leg is blocking the outside yeah. ski. Yeah, especially if they're stuck in like that plow at the top, because you've really got to you've got to flex quite hard to to let mm. the thigh bone get out of the way yeah. for it to go flat. Otherwise, you've just got this kind of big exactly. solid it's, bone yeah. in here. Yeah, like, so let, I, with older people, I say talk about letting the legs sort of crumple, yeah, or yeah. soften, or like softening of the inside yeah. leg as a transition. Or, yeah. yeah, with the children, I often play um, like cat chases mouse. Mm-hmm. The tips of the skis chase each other because that's a good rotary game. Mm-hmm. So big toe in and your toe little toe out, but the mm-hmm. chasing one is good cat and mouse because that's constant movement. Mm-hmm. So as the as, yeah, as, as cat chases mouse, mouse runs up the hill and runs away and runs away and runs away and runs away, and then mouse chases the cat and runs away and runs away and runs away. So they're always and yeah, they just go parallel. Right. <laughs> so many ideas. But you have to keep on, well, as with everything, because they've learned one thing. Mm. You have to keep reminding them yeah. every time we stop. We stop with a turn. Every time we stop, we stop with a turn. We put our skis parallel. And then all of this, we put our skis parallel, so stop with a turn, put your skis parallel, and then that repetition Mm. means that eventually they just do it, and because they're stopping a bit faster, then that inside leg just gets... Because we've told them to put their skis parallel all the time. I do get quite upset with, you know, when we're instructing whatever, children or adults, but in particular the children, where we go, stop in a plough. That red light. There's nothing wrong with coming to a gentle stop or and stop. But mm. when, it's when we go stop. Yeah, yeah. And then they push, and that again pushing your heels out. Horrible. Push your heels out. It's no. you know it's yeah, it's toes in, heels out. So even as a beginner, even if they're for me, my little ones, and they've got an edgy wedgy. It's like, oh, we're going to make a triangle. Let's make a triangle. Lovely. That makes, oh, open your feet, open your feet, toes together, heels apart, toes together, heels apart. So those are the kind of words that I use. Mm. So it's not just heels apart. Yeah, yeah. It's always the two words so that it's that combined movement. And that goes back to what I said earlier. It's like you have to be careful the words you use to achieve the outcome that you want to achieve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. 